Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. The sounds of success vary from person to person. Success sounds like this to a credenced soybean grower. Along with 43 new varieties this year, credenced soybeans come with agronomic expertise from BASF. That means expert advisors who bring local insights on seed selection, management decisions, and crop protection options. Knowing the kind of success you're shooting for? That's smart. Ask your local BASF seed advisor about credenced soybeans. Always read and follow label directions. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you for joining us, letting us be part of your day here at midweek. And, uh, wow, the weather. Some some areas bracing, dealing with winter big time. Other areas, combines are rolling, trying to get as much done before Another round of uh, wet weather moves across. We're going to talk about that later. David Erickson, who farms in Illinois between the Quad Cities and Peoria, they had a very, very wet September and just really getting started with harvest. We'll get a harvest update from him a little bit later on. Crop report coming out this week. Uh, a lot of attention on that. Steve Nicholson with Robo AgriFinance will join us as we'll uh, talk about uh, what we might see in that report and the impact moving forward. We have uh, new numbers from the Purdue CME Group Ag Economy Barometer. Purdue Ag Economist Michael Langmeyer will join us to go over those latest numbers, what farmers are saying and feeling. Uh, but right now, we start things off a check on the news with Jerry Hagstrom with the Hagstrom Report, who I think uh, is in North Dakota. Jerry, would you want to see snow? Is that it? That's why you went back to North Dakota? No, I wanted to see beautiful fall weather and visit the farm where I grew up. And I'm here, and I had one gorgeous day yesterday. Uh, and right now, I'm in my hotel room in Bismarck, and it's cloudy, and everybody is trying to prep for the snow to arrive tonight, and they're predicting that that by the weekend, there'll be a foot of snow. So there's still lots of of uh, crops in the fields here and farmers are worried about being able to plant or to to harvest those crops that they had to plant so late this year yeah it's too early for snow even in north dakota but it looks like it's coming so everyone there bracing for that well meanwhile a lot of eyes on the talks with china this week and boy if you hear news coming out of both sides uh, talk about lowering expectations maybe maybe that's a good sign though in the past we've had expectations sky high and not much has come out of the talks maybe this time it'll be just the opposite well we can uh, we can hope for that uh but you know neither side is uh neither side is saying very much uh i was very intrigued with this this week that the signing of the uh, agreement with japan became such a big deal at the white house with all these uh, farm leaders uh, uh, attending the news conference. It's the only good news in trade that either Trump or agriculture has had, so they made the most of it. But we need to remember that this was an, this agreement only brings the U.S. up to the same standards uh, or same position uh, as the uh, other countries have got, already gotten through that Trans-Pacific Partnership that Trump withdrew from, but that the other, con- other countries continued. So it's not it's it's good news, but 
but not that big an accomplishment. Nothing like reaching an agreement with China would be. And there are those already saying, and I, I asked this question early on in this trade war with China, will we ever get back what we had? And there more and more are very uh, doubtful that even when a deal gets done, whenever that is, that we'll return to the levels of trade with China that we were before this started. Well, I agree with that, and I see it even in broader terms. If we're going to have a kind of cultural conflict with China over their economic system versus ours, and even uh, things like their educational system and free speech, I just don't see why China is necessarily going to want to import as uh, much in agricultural products as as it has from the U.S. in the past. During this period, they're finding other sources, and you know how it was with with, uh, uh, with what happened after the uh, situation with Russia during the Carter administration. The sales are just never the same again. Yeah, you change the world order. You create uh, opportunities for competitors, and then you deal with that for years and years to come uh, moving forward. So this looks like a similar type event. Meanwhile, USMCA... What are you hearing there? Does the impeachment proceedings uh, jeopardize that vote? Well, it seems to me that the Democrats are really trying to show that they can do two things at once. Uh, This week, uh, uh, Chairman Neal from the Ways and Means Committee led a delegation to Mexico and came back and made positive signs, uh, said they were treated very well. But, of course, at the same time, they still need more assurances that uh, Mexico is going to enforce the labor provisions in the, uh, in the agreement. But I would say, in my view, it still is inching forward. Uh, and Henry Quaylar, the Texas Democrat who's very much in favor of the agreement, says he believes there will be a vote in November or December, not earlier. Of course, the Republicans continue to push for a vote right away. They want to show that they're more committed than the Democrats. Um, uh, but when it comes down to it, of course, it will be, it will be, there will be a mix of Democrats and Republicans on each side of that issue. And seemingly they wouldn't, would not call it for a vote unless they felt their votes were there to pass, right? That's right. That's right. It would be an international embarrassment to bring it to the floor and not have, uh, and not have the votes. So we'll see what happens, you know, yeah. with uh, with this break they're on now. And, you know, the days, that calendar gets pretty short, really, between now and the end of the year for something uh, major like that to get done. Oh, it's uh, it certainly does. But I've always learned that Congress can do anything that it wants to. Now, in the meantime, on another issue, I'm intrigued today with, with the fact that Dean Foods, the company, uh, one of the biggest dairy processors in the country, has dropped out of the International Dairy Foods Association because IDFA um, refuses to support the dairy producers in their campaign to stop the plant-based companies from using the word milk. And this shows an increasing conflict in dairy. Now, the milk producers are thrilled with what Dean Foods has done, and IDFA is saying, well, it's only one company. We had 30 other companies join us this year. But it definitely shows Uh, the tensions in that industry. And really, this is part of a bigger picture, as we've talked about before, of these cell and plant-based products. This is something that, uh, whether it's the dairy industry or the livestock industry, uh, these are issues that will have to be addressed. 
Well, that's right. And I see the commodity producers increasingly isolated from everybody else because the processors are all getting into these foods. Uh, you know, um, not deemed not foods, apparently, but a lot of others are. Uh, and, the, you know, and the uh, companies like Tyson's are now calling themselves protein companies, not meat companies. Uh, this is one of the biggest conflicts of our time. Yeah, it's a story certainly to watch. And uh, we're going to be talking a lot about it in the days to come. Jerry, enjoy uh, North Dakota. And uh, are you going to stick around and play in the snow a little bit? I have to admit, I think I'm going to leave tomorrow because if I don't, I might not be able to leave for several yeah. days. All right. Well, safe travels to you. Thanks a lot. Okay. Take Thank care. You. Jerry Hagstrom with the Hagstrom Report. Yeah, that weather, tough, tough situation. Farmers, I uh, know in that North Dakota area, really struggling uh, with this uh, Looks like a pretty good-sized snow coming in. We're going to talk more about the harvest a little bit later on. But up next, we're going to take a look at the latest numbers from the Purdue CME Group Ag Economy Barometer. Stay with us here on AOA. Adams on Agriculture, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Your diesels are your engines of prosperity, so they deserve the best treatment. And with FS Fuel and Lubricant, you'll give them the gold standard. Diesel X Gold High Performance Fuel plus Suprex Gold ESP Engine Oil. Formulated to work together, they'll keep your diesels running longer and stronger, from farming to construction to trucking. Visit FSGoldStandard.com or talk with your local FS Energy Specialist. FS, bringing you what's next. You can't buy a best friend. You can love them, walk them, pet them, and care for them, whether they want you to or not. You can take a picture or 50. You can fly to the moon, travel the world, or just stay in bed. You can't buy a best friend like that, but you can adopt one. There are millions of pets waiting for a best friend just like you. Help us save them all at bestfriends.org. There's a reason more than a billion feet of ADS farm tile lies beneath America's heartland. It's simple. We build trust. Since 1966, farmers and their families have trusted ADS products to improve yields and create longer growing seasons. From lift stations to water control structures, ADS Agriculture has everything you need for total ag water management solutions. For everyone out there feeding the world, we wish you all a safe and happy harvest. Meet Ed, movie buff, animal lover, safe driver. Five years of driving an ambulance teaches you a thing or two. If people knew what I know, lives could be saved. When I see a car trying to rush past a turning bus, I get concerned. You see, when big vehicles turn right, they have to swing wide to make the turn. And that's a lesson you don't want to learn the hard way. When trucks and buses turn, let's you and I wait. It's, it's our roads. It's, it's our safety. safety. Visit www.sharetheroadsafely.gov. My mom's a breast cancer survivor. The United Breast Cancer Foundation saved her life. Their free breast cancer exam caught the cancer early, and it saved her life. But now the foundation needs your help so they can continue offering free or low-cost breast screening exams, saving more women's lives. Help them by donating your car, whether it's running or not. 
They'll provide fast, free 24-hour pickup, and you receive a charitable tax deduction, plus the great feeling you'll get knowing your donated car is going to help save more lives. Just call 800-745-3327 to set the wheels in motion. They take cars, trucks, vans, and SUVs running or not. Call 800-745-3327. The United Breast Cancer Foundation needs your help, and your donation could literally save women's lives, helping them catch breast cancer early like they did with my mom. Donate today, 800-745-3327, 800-745-3327. Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, each month we get the latest results from the Purdue CME Group Ag Economy Barometer. Joining us again is Purdue Ag Economist Michael Langmeyer. Michael, thanks for joining us. I can only imagine uh, what these numbers uh, are saying based on the year it's been. I mean, after the struggles of getting the crop planted, now farmers are struggling to get it. The crop that did get planted harvested, we're talking about snow and in many places and a lot of wet weather and others really adding to the problems of this year. Uh, do the numbers indicate uh, those concerns uh, from last month? Uh, certainly that is the case. I mean, it has certainly been a roller coaster. Uh, in terms of the Ag Economy Barometer Index itself, uh, in May it was right at about 100 or 101, uh, and the 100 is based on uh, the, six, the, the six months uh, beginning in, in the fourth quarter of 2015 and, and going through the first quarter of 2016, which wasn't a particularly good time in agriculture. And so the index was quite low in May. Uh, it shot up to 153 in July, as we thought corn prices were going to be uh, considerably stronger, uh, and then it tapered off. Uh, tapered off here recently, uh, particularly uh, given that given the August crop report uh, indicating that there was a lot more corn out there than we thought there was, and so and so. Uh, the bottom line here is the ag economy barometer has jumped around a lot, uh, and it's, it was only 121 uh, in September. So. Overall concerns about economic conditions, even with the uh, the payments that have been made and are being made, there are still really uh, these numbers indicate the concerns out there in rural America. That's certainly the case, and and uh, one of the things that one of the ways to look at that is is to look at the index of current conditions, which is a sub index of the ag economy barometer, and that dropped from 122 to 100 uh, in September, and so obviously there's a lot of concerns about where where the finances are going to be this year and over the next 12 months. And I think if you think about that, that makes a lot of sense. You you mentioned some uncertainty. There's a lot of uncertainty here, what, what, what the, this year's crop is going to do. We've got concerns about getting it harvested. And then the natural thing for a lot of producers to do is compare to 2018. Uh, and this crop is nowhere near as good as 2018. Uh, and I, I think that's being reflected in the index of current conditions being relatively low. Yeah, crop not as good, and not even knowing how or when they're going to get it out, that really adds to the uh, the stress level of 2019. Uh, and then there's the ongoing uh, situation with China. That's been a cloud over this uh, all along. Yes, it certainly has. Uh, uh, but uh, but you know, not perhaps not surprisingly, 
there, there's still a lot of confidence that this, this uh, trade dispute with China is going to be settled in a way uh, that benefits U.S. agriculture. Uh, in the September sur- survey, 72% uh, thought it was going to be settled in a way that benefits U.S. agriculture. And so that really helps the index of future expectations. Uh, the index of future expectations is considerably higher than the index of current conditions, and I think that's partially what's being reflected there, uh, you're reflecting the fact that uh, when you look at 2020 uh, futures prices uh, going out uh, to the fourth quarter of, of 2020, they look fairly strong uh, compared to what they have been recently. You know, they're not fabulous, but they're, uh, they're, they're relatively strong uh, even compared to this year's prices. Uh, and then if we have a normal crop next year, uh, and if the trade dispute is settled, uh, I, think, I think people think that, they, that next year or the next uh, two, three, two, three years out is going to be considerably better than 2019. I think there's always a feeling when you're coming off a really bad year or a challenging year that next year's bound to be better, right? Yes, it's a glass half full. And when you talk to people in production agriculture, as you know, they tend to be long-term optimists. Now, you couldn't be in the business without, without that attitude, uh, even if things are rather difficult like they are in 2019, uh, next, year's, next year looks better. Yeah, the feeling, the sentiment I hear over and over is ready to get 2019 behind us and move forward. We're talking with Purdue Ag Economist Michael Langmeyer, talking about uh, the latest numbers in the uh, Purdue CME Group Ag Economy Barometer. Let's look at some of the other uh, questions you ask. Uh, what about uh, farmland prices? What are they expecting there in the next few months? Yeah, we have, we've been asking questions related to cash rent and land values, and and uh, we we've been asking these questions looking at the next twelve months. And and right now there there's uh, there's quite a bit of uh, uh, pessimism, if you if you will, regarding cash rents and land values in the next twelve months. Uh, approximately twenty percent think that cash rent and land values are going to decline. Uh, and only about 10% think they're going to increase. And so even given the fact that we had these MFP payments, they're still because the margins are still relatively low, even with those payments, uh, there's still downward pressure on cash rents and land values. Yeah, now, looking further qu- out, we uh-huh. asked a question on land values further out, as you know, and there's a lot more optimism looking five years out. When you look five years out, Fifty percent think land values are going to be higher, and so again, it contrasts that that current pessimism, uh, you know, contrasted to the uh, uh, the, the the optimism uh, when you're looking uh, longer term. Well, let's talk more about the question you asked concerning the crop land that is rented. Is it fixed cash rent? What did you learn there? Well, as 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 expected, uh, you know, cash rent is by far far and away the the dominant. Uh, you know, way that let the land is leased, and you know, we're just asking this, uh, you know, currently, and so we don't have a history to to take a look at trends there. Uh, but overwhelmingly, the the largest percent of land uh, was cash rented. We also asked a question about flex rent, and approximately 10% of the producers uh, used flex rent at least on some of their acres, and it was all over the board in terms of the, in terms of the trigger they used for the flex uh, the flex payments, and so uh, some used some used focused on price, some focused on yield, and then some focused on both price and yield or revenue uh, when they were looking at the flex rent uh, payments. I want to go back to the China question as we're you know, getting ready for more talks with China. Uh, interesting that the farmers you surveyed uh, expect the dispute to be resolved in a way favorable to U.S. agriculture. That number above 70% for the third month in a row. 
Yes, that has been very consistent in terms of people expecting this is going to be benefiting U.S. agriculture. What has changed a little bit, we've been asking a question on whether this is going to be settled soon, and the percent that think that it's unlikely is higher today than what it was a few months ago. And so the longer this drags out, the more uncertainty there is regarding when this is going to be resolved. Yeah, I remember when this started, we heard about the, that that phrase, short-term pain for long-term gain. That short-term pain over this is, has gone on longer than some thought, but evidently there's still that optimism that it's going to be worth it in the end. Yes, and, and uh, we didn't ask it this last month, but we, we did ask a question a month ago uh, with respect to possible MFP payments in 2020. Uh, there's nothing announced on this. So we went ahead and asked them if they thought there would be payments in 2020, and about 50% said that they thought there would be. And I think that's consistent with this fact that they don't think this is going to be settled soon. Uh, so if this drags on to 2020, uh, there's going to be pressure, uh, you know, political pressure uh, to have MFP payments again next year. Yeah. And then looking ahead, when we talk a month from now, it'll be interesting because it'll be, you know, will be well well another month into the harvest and uh, I would think the numbers will reflect the conditions in those areas as far as how much of the harvest they've been able to do or they're still waiting to do yeah one of the things we found out in, in previous previous October November time frame is 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 how the harvest is going does it does impact does impact the, the sediment uh, particularly the current sediment and so we'll be watching that really closely uh, to see how the current sediment uh, moves uh, you know, with the harvest. Because this year the harvest last is going to go longer example, than usual. Yeah. yeah, last year, for example, uh, the, 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 as, the, as, the, uh, as the crop was being harvested, yields were better for a lot of people than they thought. That had a positive impact mm-hmm. on the sediment. This year you might see the other direction. Uh, even though the, the index of current conditions is relatively low, if we see a lot of problems with the harvest and disappointment in the yield, we'll see that index decline. Yeah, the two basics, the two things you can always uh, figure are going to influence those attitudes always come down to weather and prices, right? And depending on how those are, that will greatly influence these uh, barometer numbers. And definitely, and then, of course, they're related. Uh, and, and so mm-hmm. you know, if the weather is not very cooperative, that's going to have a positive price on positive impact on prices and vice versa. And so, and so yes, that's def- definitely the case. And 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 one of the reasons why it's not just the it's not just trade. Uh, you, uh, uh, the index has been jumping around a lot uh, uh, since uh, since the summer of 2018. In 2019, it's not just trade. It really is being driven by this weather, uh, mm-hmm. late planting, and, and and et cetera. And so that 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 to a large degree is, is caused the variability in the index along with trade. All right, Michael. Thank you. We'll talk to you next month. Thank you. All right. Purdue Ag Economist Michael Langemeyer, he is uh, giving us the results each month from the Purdue CME Group Ag Economy uh, Barometer. Again, that dipped slightly in September to a reading of 121, down three points from August. Up next, we'll talk markets with Steve Nicholson with Robo AgriFinance. Stay with us on AOA. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines. The sounds of success vary from person to person. Success sounds like this to a credenced soybean grower. 
Along with 43 new varieties this year, Credence soybeans come with agronomic expertise from BASF. That means expert advisors who bring local insights on seed selection, management decisions, and crop protection options. Knowing the kind of success you're shooting for? That's smart. Ask your local BASF seed advisor about Credence soybeans. Always read and follow label directions. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. All right, lots to talk about with Steve Nicholson, grain and oil seeds analyst for Robo Agrofinance. Steve, we came into this uh, fall knowing we needed uh, some good weather. Crops were late. It was going to be a late harvest. We needed some good weather not only to finish the crops out but for harvest. And except for a few areas where it's been pretty good, uh, most of the rest of the Midwest, especially that upper Midwest, uh, it's not worked out. It's been uh, one challenge after another. Now a lot of areas getting ready for snow heading into this weekend. Yes, good morning, Mike. Uh, Absolutely. You're just... I mean, my heart goes out to producers and farmers and ranchers. It just, it just went like you said. Just as it seems like maybe we're over the hump, there's just one more thing to hurdle to jump over. And you know, that upper, I'll call the Northwest Corn Belt, you know, or the Great Plains. You know, it's going to be cold all the way to Amarillo, Texas. I mean, freezing temperatures. Uh, you know, that's just, I, I, you know, you'd expect cold weather maybe in October, but. Uh, not this cold, and so it's. And the thing is, it's it's one thing if it's cold, and obviously that's a problem this year because we're, we were so late getting stuff in. Uh, but now we get snow on top of it, and that just is devastating the crops. And and we know for standing crops, whether it's wheat, corn, or soybeans, it's hard. We we understand. And talking to our banker in North Dakota, or I guess Monday, um, they've got wheat starting to sprout in the fields already. So that's not good. That's why you're seeing. Um, you know, a rally in Minneapolis wheat. Uh, you know, it's you still got corn in the field that needs to get to to black layer, and it's not there yet. Uh, it's just one thing after another. And you know, for livestock, this is a little bit of a doesn't give them. They're kind of like us. They like they don't they can stomach the cold weather, but they kind of need to get eased into it. And they're not getting eased into it at all. And then you then you got the mud and just the moisture all coming with it is just not a good thing. So it, it's just uh, it's just exhausting. Yeah, it makes a long year even longer. And now uh, we're we're getting ready for this October crop report where we thought, well, this will give us a better idea uh, of what's really happening. But really, it it won't be taking into consideration all these things we just talked about that that we're dealing with right now. No, absolutely. And and if we could back up just one more, you know, back up the train for a second. If you look at the small grains report, which, of course, affects, you know, our, our friends in the Dakotas, particularly North Dakota and Montana, you know, if you look at that small grains report, there was another gray box on that saying, well, because of delayed wet, because of delayed planting and, and delayed harvest and weather, you know, we will come back and do some resurveying on the small grains. And you're like, oh, my gosh, it, you know, with that one, you expect that one to be complete, but it's not. And you get to October, and here we are, October 1, and you're not going to have complete data out of that area because of exactly the weather. And it's just, it, again, calls into question and, I, you know, calls into question the fact the accuracy of these reports right now, and it's not USDA's fault, and I, I don't want people to hear that, but it, it's the fact is, we, the, you know, Mother Nature not, is not helping us here, and it just, it, it's kind of like we've said all summer and all, all spring and summer long, 
we're going to be all the way into January before we really know what what kind of what crops we have, and we hope we do in January because I people in North Dakota have talked about they'll be harvesting corn, you know, November and December. So I, it it's it's just exhaust. It's just you're just kind of exasperate the whole thing, but there's nothing you can do about it. It is what it is. So will the markets react more to the crop report numbers this week or to the weather forecast this week? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, if you'd asked me that maybe two or three days ago, I might have said, well, the crop report. And now I'm kind of wondering about, after we've seen the actions the last couple of days, I think it's going to react more to the weather. Um, because it's, and, and really, you know, that's what's driving, this is what's driven the market all year long. Um, if we go back to the spring, think about the weather drove the market up. Uh, this summer, the weather drove it down because the weather got what the market perceived as fairly benign. And now we're back into a weather market, which you kind of don't expect to see this time of year, um, of you know problems with harvest. And I, you know, and I think if we'd not had the issues this spring, this would not be as big a deal this fall. But the fact that we had weather issues all year long just exacerbates this problem this fall. So I think it's probably a weather-driven market over the next several, I'll say the next couple weeks. Um, not to say the report won't have an impact. Uh, but I do think it's more of a weather issue than, than that because the market's going to look at this and go, mm, you know, even, you know, even if it does drive yields down, and I and I, you know, I said all year I think corn yields will continue to decline a little bit, and I think that's probably where we'll go. Um, you know, the market's going to be maybe a little skeptical of those numbers because of what's happening in the weather, and and, and really where are we going? We're talking with Steve Nicholson with Robo AgriFinance, and that would be different, right? Because we've said all along, uh, so often this year, well, we may not agree with the numbers, and we know they may not be the most accurate or timely, but they are the numbers that the the markets look at and react to. But maybe that's a little different this time around. Yeah, you, you know, it, it is that, and I think you know, as we get, it's kind of it's kind of like that, you know. As I'm going to use the analogy of futures and cash you know, converge as we come to expiration. And it's kind of where we are with the USDA reports. As we come to expiration of the, of the, of the crop year, um, and I mean, we'll say harvest, let me put it that way, it can be a little more accurate. You know, we see that convergence of, of I want to say, reality and perception in, in the country and the reality and perception of what USDA is putting out there. And so, you know, each report gets a little closer, and, and I think we have to be respectful of that. You know, USDA... You know, I think if anyone you've talked to this year, and you've talked with them all fall, all summer, you know, people, farmers, and you say, what do you think you have out there? And they go, I really don't know. I'm not going to know until I get in the field. And and that's certainly the case this year as well. And so I think as we get each six subsequent report, we'll get closer to reality, um, and we have to take that into consideration. Um, and so I think, you know, I think this report will be a little more accurate than September and certainly more accurate than August, um, and we'll go for there. So I... I, but I think I think one thing we need to think about is when we look at this report on tomorrow, I guess, gosh, this week's gone fast. Think about, you know, obviously yields one, you know, one of the most important numbers. When I look at corn, I'm back to looking at harvested acres. Do they start to adjust harvested acres? Because we've known there's been a lot of silage cut in the last four weeks. And is that harvested number for grain get adjusted? And that will probably, if it is adjusted, it's more likely adjusted, in my view, be adjusted down. Uh, which is going to make that you know that final production number a little bit smaller, uh, which will get the market's attention, obviously. 
the big market story has really been the basis. What are you seeing out there? Yeah, it, good question, and I think where that's where the opportunity is for producers. You know, basis levels have stayed fairly firm. Um, one of the things I've noticed just in the last week is, and it it, it varies by locale. So I mean, I, I you know these are broad. I mean, I don't want to say broad generalizations, but generalizations of a region. You know, we look at the eastern Corn Belt. The eastern Corn Belt has stayed firmer. That makes sense. We've seen it continue to to come up a little bit here during harvest, which is an indication that how much crop is not in the eastern Corn Belt. You know, the western Corn Belt. We saw some rallies. I will say coming into harvest, and and I'm. <laughs> I know we haven't done a lot of harvesting yet, but we're you know we're in harvest time mode or harvest mode. The western corn belt came up into harvest and it started to come back down just a little bit in the last week to ten days. Now, so I don't, and that to me tells me that maybe the western corn belt crop is a little bit better than we thought. Um, you know, that's sort of good news, bad news story, but it, it is very variable. Um, we haven't heard a lot of yield numbers out of the eastern corn belt, which is probably why maybe basis is starting to get a little bit. A little bit um, stemmy out there, or getting a little bit higher. The Western Corn Belt, you know, early numbers I've heard, and these are early planted fields and early harvested fields. Uh, the yields are good, and people are happy with their yields. Uh, I think better than they thought. But we haven't got into what we would call the gut slot of harvest to really see what's out there going forward. But you know, I think we do see, we do think the basis opportunities will come, uh, particularly for those that are in the Western Corn Belt. Uh, and particularly in the northwestern Corn Belt, you've got, you know, South Dakota is going to be a big hole. So North Dakota, southern Minnesota, northwest Iowa will be big. You know, probably basis numbers will start to start to grow there as we as we turn the calendar over to 2020. And that's probably where the opportunity will come on the basis side in the western. Meanwhile, we're seeing, we're seeing China do some buying, not to the levels they used to, but they are making some purchases. Yeah, and they are. And I, I think that's, you know, if you look at the... And I, I watch soybean you know, inspection, export inspections weekly. It's the quickest way to look at it in the sense of, you know, kind of feeding that, you know, feeding the beast every, every week. You know, they're buying right along with where they kind of left the year off last year, uh, crop year, sorry, not calendar year, crop year. So I think that's a good sign that they'll continue to buy. You know, they have the Chinese, as we've said before, are master negotiators and master traders. They know that if people see them buying, that will help you know, maybe help kind of soften the trade negotiations a little bit. Um, you know, they're trying to set a good bed for their negotiations and their stands. So, don't you know, don't ever, don't ever be. Um, what, what should I say? You know, don't be blinded by that. Um, but also keep in mind, you know, the Chinese make lots of promises, and they, you know, and they sometimes don't, you know, fulfill those promises. But the fact is, the Chinese are doing that we need those beans that got the door because we got plenty of them to move along so you know watch those developments uh, obviously there's talks here in the next few days in washington um i don't believe we'll see much what should i say we'll see a lot of uh, uh anything come out of that but at least they're talking and i think that's a good sign all right so crop report tomorrow and those talks with china <laughs> yeah. uh, and uh, the ongoing weather story uh will really be impacting these markets in the days to come steve thanks a yeah. lot we'll talk again soon thank you take care take robo agrifinance grain and oil seeds analyst steve nicholson well one of the areas uh, struggling to get going with harvest is that area between the quad cities and peoria in illinois they're just finally getting going and now 
Looks like rain going to move into that area and slow things down again. We'll talk with the farmer in that area for a harvest report next on AOA. Adams on Agriculture, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, We'll probably stay together. Probably? (laughs) It's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Text and catch the bus. Text and miss your stop. Wait, 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 wait. Text and be late to work. Sorry, I'm late. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. Who, me? Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Ugh. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, we're very happy to have with us today Chief Ag Negotiator for the U.S. Trade Representative's Office, Ambassador Greg Dowd. Greg, good to talk with you. Lots going on. Uh, Let's start with U.S.-Japan. That deal, take us behind the scenes in negotiating that from an agricultural standpoint. What were the key areas and uh, the challenges you faced in getting that deal hammered out? So what we've done here is, is Japan is now our third biggest market, $14 billion in ag trade. About uh, $5 billion of that was already duty-free. Japan is going to reduce uh, agricultural tariffs of uh, $7.2 billion. We're going to match that with a reduction in industrial tariffs. And the good news here is uh, Congress does not need to touch that. Uh, thank goodness, Mike. And uh, we, uh, we now have a situation where the Japanese diet uh, has to uh, review this uh, deal. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. As an organ donor, your story doesn't have to end. The good in you can live on. In fact, you could save up to eight lives with your gifts. Your heart could keep beating. Your kidneys could keep filtering. And your intestines could keep on digesting for others. And that's not all. You can improve the lives of 50 more people as an eye and tissue donor, restoring sight and health. And you're not just helping out the person receiving the transplant. 
you're touching whole families with your life-saving gift. Register in minutes. Just go to organdonor.gov. You'll be happy you did. And just maybe, someone else will be happy too. Sign up today. Go to organdonor.gov. It saves lives. U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. There's a reason more than a billion feet of ADS farm tile lies beneath America's heartland. It's simple. We build trust. Since 1966, farmers and their families have trusted ADS products to improve yields and create longer growing seasons. From lift stations to water control structures, ADS Agriculture has everything you need for total ag water management solutions. For everyone out there feeding the world, we wish you all a safe and happy harvest. Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. As I have mentioned before, the area where I live in west central Illinois, we've been very fortunate. We've had some pretty good harvest weather and a fair amount of harvesting being done. But as as I've said, you don't have to go very far from here to see things change quite a bit. And that's why when I uh, thought about talking with David Erickson, who farms in the Quad Cities Peoria area, in between the Quad Cities and Peoria, I knew they'd had a lot more rain, and I wondered if... uh, they were even going yet. But, David, you tell me that you yeah. finally were able to get into the field this week. Yeah, we snuck in a little late Monday afternoon to kind of see how things were and uh, actually harvested all day yesterday and uh, doing uh, corn again today. Um, it, yeah, it has been wet here. And you're you're trying to get in as much as you can before the next round of rain comes in here in the next day or so. But tell us just yeah. how wet it has been in your area. Yeah, well, we've kind of been the uh, tail of two cities, if you will, uh, from a rainfall standpoint. Uh, obviously, like many people, we had way too much rain in in uh, the month of May. Um, straightened out for us to finish planting. Many people finished uh, corn and or beans the week of the third, oh, fourth of June, and then from June fifteenth to August tenth, we had an inch of rain. And then from August 30th to September 30th, we had 14 and a half inches of rain. Mm. And we've had a little bit since September 30th. So uh, we, we uh, recharged the soil that had gotten dried out there in, in uh, July and uh, quite a bit. So really, things are not in bad shape considering the, the swing in the, in the weather. How much have you been able to do, and uh, how how does it look so far? Yeah, so we're uh, you know we're just in our first um, 160 acre field of corn, and uh, this is corn um, planted the week 
Uh, this was planted April 24th, actually, and it's 111-day corn running between 22.5 and 23.5% moisture, so moisture is certainly acceptable, and it looks like this corn is going to be somewhere in the, in the uh, oh, 210 to uh, 230 bushels to the acre dry, so very, very pleased with those, particularly considering the weather it's been through. I would imagine you're going to find, as we've heard over and over from farmers around the country, a lot of variability as you go through the fields. Yeah, there is. And, uh, you know, it's still a little bit of standing water, although the ground is so uh, pounded in those areas where the water standing. Actually, that's where it's really firm. Um, some soybean harvest going on. Um, people that were able to plant soybeans there in April. And uh, kind of a similar deal there, Mike, uh, from what I can tell that uh, – I've heard yields from the upper 40s to the upper 60s, um, so it, um, a, a, wide, a wide range on those beans as well. So you'll push hard today because there is rain in your forecast. Right. We'll do we'll do what we can today. It looks like maybe that rain will hold off maybe until tomorrow afternoon, so that'll give us a shot to, you know, to get some done here, and um, then we'll just see what that forecast does we could have soybeans our june planted soybeans look like some of the earlier maturing ones will be ready next week um they're close this week Uh, in fact there might be a few guys trying some of those june planted beans this week um we're going to hold off see what this rain does and and then go after that and uh not to mention the fact i think we got potential for i think it's sunday morning we're maybe going to be down to as low as 30 to 33 degrees so it may they put an end to some of this growing season. And I know around you, you don't have to go too far from you. I mean, they're still dealing with flood conditions. Absolutely. Yeah, the Rock River at the Quad Cities, they're, they're just a tenth of an inch of away from flood stage again here. And, uh, you know, any rain that we get over the weekend certainly is not going to help that. So, and, yeah, river levels are high because every time it rains, you know, you get water in the ditches here. And, uh, and we're we're in a place where we feed both the uh, Illinois and the Mississippi River. And um, both of those tributaries have got plenty of water in them already. Are you concerned about the stock quality and how that corn's going to stand, or do you think it's going to be okay? Well, so far, Mike, our... Our April planted corn looks good. We did spray more fungicide on April planted corn than we normally do. Uh, we're in a corn bean rotation and not have not seen the advantage um, for fungicide. We did spray some this year because we thought we had some early incidents of gray leaf spot. This field that we're in, I did not spray, and uh, it still the stock quality looks very good. But we did have some winds with some of those rains that I mentioned when we were getting that 14 and a half inches of rain that uh, leans some corn over. So um, I think people will monitor stock quality uh, as they go just to kind of make sure they stay on top of it. Speaking of monitoring, I know you have uh, friends, uh, uh, like in my area, that have been able to go a lot more in the fields, letting you know it, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Nothing like a good buddy to tell you how good things are going for him when you're sitting still, is there, Mike? That's right. That's right. Uh, that's and, good. But, you know, I think that does help kind of move the process along. I think people understand that, hey, you, 
just because the calendar says it's great for harvest, and it is in some places, that doesn't mean it is everywhere. And I know you feel for others, like the folks in North Dakota and, and some of that that Northwest area, uh, looking at snow this uh, this weekend. Uh, I know you feel for them. I, I do. In fact, I was just uh, telling your producer when they called ahead of here that, uh, geez, I hope it's more like a spring snow than a winter snow because uh, hopefully if it falls, it's going to kind of melt and they can get things done. You know, this crop's still got a long ways to go in our area. A lot of June and uh, planted corn and soybeans, so um, we need some time yet. All right, David, be careful, have a safe harvest, and we'll, we'll catch up with you again later, okay? Thanks, Mike. Have a good day. All right, take care. David Erickson, he farms in Illinois between the Quad Cities and at Peoria. All right, so lots going on. Crop report tomorrow. China talks, ongoing weather concerns with harvest. Hope you'll join us again tomorrow. We'll keep you updated right here on AOA. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines. Vision loss is not something that you feel until it happens. Most people lose their vision from diseases like macular degeneration and glaucoma, not at birth. With macular degeneration, you lose your central vision. You have a blind spot right in the center of your face, so I can't actually see your face. So even that little circle in which I could see became a big blur. I was 65 when I first was diagnosed with glaucoma. There were no symptoms. I had no headaches. Three million Americans have glaucoma, and half don't even know it. 11 million people in the United States have macular degeneration. You lose mobility, independence, changes your entire life. So many eye disorders can be treated if caught early. My husband tells me that I have beautiful brown eyes, and I don't want to lose that. Make a plan today to get your eyes checked. Visit brightfocus.org to learn more. Sometimes life is wonderful, and sometimes it's not. Cherish the good, but always be prepared for life's challenges. At Private Healthcare, we provide the peace of mind you deserve. With Private Healthcare, you'll get the coverage you want and healthcare you need. If your employer doesn't supply healthcare coverage and you don't qualify for Medicare or Medicaid, you need to give us a call right now. Private healthcare is private health insurance for ages 65 and under with medical, dental, vision, and even prescription coverage. When life comes at you unexpectedly, you need to be ready, and health insurance is your financial safety net. If you're looking for health coverage at the best price and your annual household income is 35000 or more, give us a call at 800-664-2612. That's 800-664-2612. 800-664-2612.